you're listening to the Brown Girl Trending Podcast. I'm your host, Mira Hardin, and in this episode, we're going to focus on what it means to be a person of color in the workplace. Many businesses seem to have taken action by implementing diversity and inclusion initiatives, anti-bias training, and even promoting women to leadership roles to level out the playing field. As the term BIPOC, or Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, gains popularity, many acknowledge that while not all people of color face equal levels of injustice, there is severe impact by the system. In this episode, I'll be talking with Rhea Balram, a woman of color who happens to be the founder and managing attorney of her own law group. She's been practicing for over 15 years and has worked in various law firms throughout her career, both in New York and Florida, in areas that include real estate, business formation, contracts, immigration, family law. Guys, she's a crazy, amazing litigator. But the goal of this episode is to hear her experiences as an employee and how being a short brown woman has impacted her career. Maria, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. You have such an illustrious career. You've been practicing as an attorney for about 15 years now, and you even own your own firm. So I feel like with all of the experience that you have in New York, in Florida, the various places that you've worked, and obviously moving up to being a managing partner and owning your own law firm, you definitely can shed some light into the experiences as a person or a woman of color within the work world. I mean, I've definitely, as as, as you know, I've been around the block. I, I've been a paralegal. I've been an attorney and I've worked in big law firms, small law firms. And, and, and right now, of course, I'm a solo practitioner. So I definitely um, have a field of a range of experience. There. And I want to hear your experience because I'm going to share my experiences as well. In the past few years, especially I would say maybe the past three to four years, a lot of corporations have been incorporating DNI, right? Trying to basically say it's so essential to have people of color in managerial positions, um, sponsoring anti-bias trainings. And I've been privy to that and I've gotten that. Have you experienced getting any of this training and any kind of managerial skills to make you move up within the companies you've worked at? Because I definitely have. And what's interesting about the push to that, the wealth gap still continues. It's There's still 3% of CEOs that are even within the BIPOC community. What's it really like at work, specifically a woman of color? When you were in these organizations, um, there are obviously different levels of racism that people experience or, you know, whether it's um, subtle racism, outright racism, aversive racism, which is basically when people change your behavior to act a different way based on your race. And what I love, which I always got was the microaggressions. What comes to mind when we, when I bring this up to you? Well, I mean, certainly I think as, as a woman of color, uh, particularly a person who, for example, we, I, I represent as Asian, I look very South Asian Indian, but of course I'm from the Caribbean. So it's a very different cultural aspect. And people looking at you, looking at me, looking at my size, they expect me to act a certain way because to them, I'm an Indian, right? I'm, I'm from South Asia. So they expect you know, quiet, demure, you know, like they, they, they have a certain expectation of what my behavior is going to be like versus, you know, a person from the Caribbean, you know, with a different background, different educational background. Uh, so there's definitely an expectation based upon what I look like versus what I actually am. So that, that's one thing. Then there's also the fact that as a female, a lot of people in a lot of companies, they feel like just because they have included women in their, you know, in their managerial roles and their, in their um, higher positions, that that's enough to fill the gap. Now, a, a woman from 
you know, a, a background that that's not a person of color is a very, is a very different woman, just like it would be for any, you know, if you were a male or any other identity, it, it changes um, what you bring to the role. And so part of the discrimination that I, that I've often uh, seen is that you get passed over for opportunities and people with maybe less experience than you, you know, maybe they want a woman in that role, but it's, it's not you, the person with the experience and the person who's been there longer, you know, they appoint the person that they're more comfortable with the person that they think is going to relate to the clients more and more often than not, it, it is, it is a white woman that, that fills that role for them because in terms of maybe the image that they want the firm to portray, which, which to them is always, you know, a successful, powerful woman, Unfortunately, in this day and age, that image is still of a white woman and not a woman of color. So you're saying the stereotypes still play into the decision-making factor, which I know is true, but hearing that you identify as a Caribbean person, which I do as well, and hearing that you still, you know, you obviously look Southeast Asian, just as I do. And it's interesting that they're fulfilling and stereotyping you as soon as you walk in that door. But no matter how hard you work, you're saying that you've proven that you deserved management positions, but people less than you or less experienced than you have gotten those roles. And this has happened multiple times. It has. And in fact, that's one of the reasons that I, that I own my own firm, because now I set the rules and I set the limitations, um, you know, and I, you, you have, I have full control over what can be done because there's nothing more demoralizing to someone who's had to overcome discrimination based upon the way that you look or the way that you sound you know, uh, for women, it, it's more than just your ethnicity, um, you know, and your nationality. It's, you know, body type. Maybe I, I don't fit the, the norm of what's going to be appealing to a client. Maybe my personality is not the one that lends itself to. I, I was actually told this once by someone. You're not the person that's going to go clubbing and socializing with the clients as, they, as we need to. And so because I didn't fit that role, because I was a mom, because I was married, you know, the roles that were open was given to someone much younger than me who had almost no legal experience because that person was single um, and thinner. And for whatever reason, the management decided that that person would be a person that would be more appealing. Was uh, that a person of color? Of course not. It was, it was a female, but not a person of color. What's interesting, because you're in the legal field and I'm, I'm, you know, I was in the advertising world and the media world. And we often joke in our industry, colleagues used to joke about, you know, there's a, there's a limit to our job, but we, we do joke in my industry that we have a time limit and expiration date. And I often say to, to friends of mine who are still in the industry, count how many people whose retirement party you've been to. And it's usually just one, maybe two. Most people it's zero because men and women and definitely people of color within my industry, there's definitely an expiration date. And it's sad. And I've lived through people of color and women who, who are white women. And, and they're often now in the past few years, they're being pushed up into these roles, their leadership roles. And the hope is that they're going to obviously I hate to say Nazi color when they're hiring or, or moving people into managerial positions, but you would hope that's what happens. Right. But it's really, it's been such a long time in coming. And part of the reason I started this entire movement of doing the Brown girl trending podcast, starting my social media and informing people about what's going on, um, how to navigate work situations is because I got so fed up of seeing 
new people come into my industry and experiencing the same exact thing that I've experienced. And it was so frustrating for anti-bias and anti-stereotype. It was still there. And, and it was even more recognizable because I was expecting change. So maybe that was unfair on my part. So it's really frustrating. Well, one of the things uh, that I often see is that, you know, people get promoted. For example, let's say you're a person of color, woman of color, and you get promoted. When you take the same action as a person of color in a management role or for in, our, in my industry, maybe you're a judge, you take the same action as one of your colleagues and, and, and you, you act the same way terms are used to describe you that would never be used to describe your colleague. All of a sudden you're, you know, you're loud, loud, angry, um, emanating. I was going to say a word, but I was like, I'm not sure if it's ready. (laughs) Um, You're loud, you're angry, you know, aggressive. Um, You know, there's a standard, like people are judging what you wear, what you dress, like things that are never done to your colleagues because they're either male or it's just, you know, Usually it's because they're male or maybe it's a female, like there's a certain expectation on you as a person of color. And so people also have an unrealistic expectation of what a person of color can deliver. They assume that because you are like them or that you might have a similar background to them, especially in the legal field, that you're going to be able to do something for them that no one else can. And it it works in two ways for me that I've noticed. It's, It's either... They expect me to deliver results that no one else would be able to deliver or two, I get passed over because they think that one, I either at one point I look too young or two, no one's going to take me seriously. So they want to hire that, you know, older lawyer who's generally male, um, who's generally a white male that they think is going to deliver the results. And what happens is they eventually come back to me because they, people who are older, Um, who've been doing this for a while, they're very set in their ways of doing things. I offer personalized, you know, interaction with my clients. Most law firms, especially older established law firms, you're lucky if you get to speak to a lawyer once every few months about your case, you know, so people have to learn to, you know, to see people for who they are and what they can bring to the table and, and not judge them based upon appearances. The fact that we're people of color, the fact that maybe I'm quieter, than than the person, you know, and you expect the person that looks like me to be loud. I don't know. So just in terms of managing your expectations, but we definitely get judged just walking into the room. We're judged by our appearance. We're judged by people's expectations of us. You know, they expect us to act a certain way. And when you go against the norm, it's not always accepted. Yeah. And you bring up an interesting point. I mean, have you ever felt in, and this has happened to me or a couple of people that I've known Um, if you're one of the few people that look like you, right? So a lot of these companies are primarily, you know, white, let's just say it, right? So maybe there's a handful of people that are of a different ethnicity. Have you ever felt that you had to be the cultural ambassador or the person that represents everybody of your color or your, whatever you do matters. And they're trying to use you if you're an example employee, to kind of push it out to everybody else. Like, Hey, Rhea, go speak to this person because you're doing this so great. And that person just happened to also be black. Right. No, um, definitely a trend. So one of the things that the last uh, big company that I work for, they, they always did was that they would have the new attorneys that are interviewing. You would take them out for lunch and they, you know, obviously they don't want a huge crew. They just want a few people to take them out to lunch. And inevitably when I would be asked, it would always be a 
person of color. Really? Usually, yes. Um, I actually didn't even think of this before, but when I think about it, when, when people are coming in for an interview, they would ask certain people and they would try to rotate. But inevitably, I was trying to think back and every single time that I attended one of these lunches, it was always a person of color. I was one of those people I negotiated a, a early uh, time to leave at the end of the day because of my scheduling. So I would generally not be asked because of that, you know, because I had a limited time in the office. So if they were asking me, it's because they needed someone there. And they, they, it was a firm of 30 plus people. They didn't have to ask me, but I would get, well, I was one of the few people of color there. And definitely one of, I think I was one of maybe two uh, people of uh, women of color at the time. Was it usually women or did you also get asked with like men of color? Mostly women of color, but yes, a, a couple of men also, but mostly women of color, because I, I felt as though they thought it would be putting that person at ease. Whereas if it's a person like me, I don't need to be put at ease. I'm being interviewed. There's nothing at ease about this, you know? So I, you know, they want you to see what the, the firm atmosphere is like. But just slapping in a person of color to fill a seat at a lunch table does not really tell you what, what an atmosphere of a firm is like. But yeah, well, I think it's to set them at ease, right? Both right. the managers and the person coming in. I yeah. actually worked at a company once. And when I started there and the manager of the other team was like, hey, you know, I know that I just had somebody join. and I think you guys would be really good friends. Sure enough, it was a woman of color. And we did not get like her and I were different personalities, like legit, completely different. <laughs> but because we were put together, we, you know, kind of bonded a little bit in terms of as much as we could. And we hung out when we had to do things with the company events and stuff, because she kind of was ostracized on her group a little bit. And I was too. I don't think I was ostracized in my group because of what I look like. It was more because you were, you were saying earlier, I lived in a house. I was in a relationship. Everybody was, was, in that field where they wanted to go out and drink and, and do the whole thing. And I was over that. And so I kind of got ostracized in my group because of our life changes. And it may, may me now that I'm thinking about it could be a thing too, because they were all white. I didn't even think about it, but this girl happened to be from the Dominican Republic. And she was also the only person of color on her team, different types of sales. And, and we just really didn't have anybody else to talk to. So we would go out to lunch and do stuff. And people ended up associating us together and thinking we were just really good friends. And the fact was, I really couldn't stand her. So, but we, we did it out of necessity and there was a bond because we had nobody else that looked like us in this small company. And so that was unfortunate, but also it's true. Like you end up being a cultural ambassador for people to represent the company, to make somebody else feel secure. And then they can wash their hands, right? Like managers can wash their hands and say, well, I tried my best. The way that we look portrays a different message, right? So we are women of color, but then there are certain um, groups that, that they bond because maybe they're all African, right? Or African-American. And I was at this firm one time and someone's like, oh, why are you here? Why are you not at lunch? And I'm like, what do you mean? Why am I not at lunch? I'm working. <laughs> like, oh, all, what she was trying to say was that- Can't all wait to hear this story. Oh, all the colored people went to lunch. <laughs> were they <laughs> Africans or Indians or they were all Africans? And so they, th that story is twofold. One, she assumed that I would be them because she knew of my Caribbean background, right? And the Caribbean equals African. Therefore, I should have been with that group. And then two, I was excluded because apparently I was not black enough. You're not black that. enough. <laughs> Good friend of mine who was invited, which she thought was funny because the person who organized it 
I had worked with that person for over five years. She had just joined the company and was invited to go because she was black enough, but I wasn't. And it was just funny because when we started at the company, we were like one of two minorities. He was a black man, you know, from the Caribbean. And I think there was a guy who was from maybe Pakistan or something like that. But, you know, but the three of us in a firm of like hundreds of people, some of the, I'm talking about the attorneys. So I just thought that was funny. It's like, sometimes I'm not ethnic enough for people. So, you know, that that happens in the workplace too. Like I can relate to that. I've gotten it. I've gotten the reverse where they'll say racist things in front of me and say, oh, but obviously that doesn't bother you. It's the hair. My hair fools people. You're Indian looking, you're not black. And so people say their, their racist comments, especially if you're friendly or friends with them. Mm -hmm. And then you're clearly excluded from it because you're not what they're talking about, but it's still, it's still messed up. It's still really messed up and inappropriate and not good for the workplace or the atmosphere. And I was at a job once uh, a long time ago. I ended up being great friends with a lot of the people there. And I stayed there for a long time, but they would say racist shit all the time around me. And I realized I was the only person of color in this company until like an executive assistant came in or something like that. She came in and she just was a little different, different uh, team, a different thing. And these, unfortunately, women would say all these random things and they just didn't realize they were saying it. And it was automatic in me to say, that's not appropriate. That's messed up. Like, and then I had to say, sorry, I'm black. So I don't like, I don't appreciate that hey, I'm Asian. I don't appreciate that. Like I had to identify with different ethnicities because they never cared to ask what I was. Right. And so then they would climb up and be like, oh, okay, sorry. And then after the third time, they're like, what are you? And I'm like, it shouldn't matter. You shouldn't be saying these things. Right. And then after the fact, I became friends with these people, like really good friends actually. But I had to call them out on their shit because this was, it was ridiculous that they were going around for years doing this before a person of color came to even acknowledge that they were what they were saying was was completely racist and it was not acceptable and I've gotten apologies and things after the fact of course and they it was more than one person they admitted that they were uh unexposed I guess the word is you know this was a long time ago and obviously I would I would hope that it wouldn't happen again because of what I talked about earlier about the anti-bias things and trainings that a lot of these companies are going through but it's a lot of pressure being a person of color in a, in a work environment. Not because in this same exact company, Ria, I would uh, push back. I like to say I was passionate about my work, but if I ever disagreed, I became known as the angry person at work. Right. I was the angry person. And I actually believed that I was an angry person. And then when I moved on to another job and people would say how nice I was and how easy I was to talk to, I remember there was a definite month or two where I was just like, what? And I had to really rearrange my way of thinking about how I identify myself. Cause I always thought I was a, a big bitch <laughs> and it turns out I wasn't. So, so I I'm often underestimated. So I'm short. That's another thing. Height <laughs> plays a role, right? So I'm a short. Indian well, they say leader. almost all the leaders, even all the presidents, right? They're all tall men of over six feet. Right. Height I, matters. Yeah, it, it does. And so, you know, I'm, also very easygoing, unless something matters to me. But at the end of the day, I know my field. I know what I do, right? I'm okay with letting people run the show. You do your job. I do my job. But I know that at some point, my job is to direct people because at the end of the day, I have all the liability as in the attorney. 
So because I don't throw my weight around all the time, when I do, I would get pushback from people who are like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm old. First of all, he was older than me. And he's like, no, that's not how we do it here. And I'm like, well, that is how you're going to do it today because my name is going to go on that with my bar number and we're going to do it the way Rhea wants because if there's a problem, Rhea's going to get in trouble. Nobody knows who you are. It was something silly, like an, an affidavit that had the wrong county. I'm like, it says that I live in this county. I don't. So I can't say the wrong thing. You need to change it. Well, no, this is how our stuff is supposed to look. And I'm like, you, you can't. It was just so weird. So I asked other attorneys, I'm like, do you, they're like, oh, no, no, I make them change that all the time. So why was I getting the pushback? Oh, that's messed up. It was more work for them to do it for that one attorney. So then they're like, oh, they just accepted it. Oh, he's just a difficult person. So we just deal with it. He's not being difficult. He's asking for things to be correct. I work with, so he thought it was appropriate to come and school me. And I don't, I don't um, fight with people that I work with, you know, generally I try to, you know, I I go with the flow unless it matters to me. And so then when I put my foot down, all of a sudden I got all this backlash for it. And I'm like, from everybody or just this person? Well, from him, but because he was like, so taken aback that I would question him. Cause I guess a lot of the other attorneys don't question him. They just sign whatever people put in front of them. I'm like, I have never, I've worked hard to get where I am. So I am not signing whatever you put in front of me, unless I agree that that's what it's supposed to say. So, you know, he escalated, he went to my manager because he thought the manager would take it. He and the, they had worked together side by side for a much longer than me. And the manager's like, so change it. If she doesn't want to sign it that way, then you have to change it. <laughs> so I, I don't know what he thought was going to happen, but I just thought it was funny that he felt comfortable enough because if it was another attorney, he would never have questioned it. Other attorneys really think like, so. You think it well, was just because you were of a certain. Well, so I asked, because of course, once something, I, I don't just take something off eight. I'm like, look, if you're seeing this and I had never heard about this, which means they weren't talking about him and his request. But for me, it was blasted over the whole firm. Oh, she's asking for the world. I'm like, asking for one thing that needs to be correct. It, it, it escalated. And I think it escalated because of, because it was me, because it was who was asking for it to be done. Cause clearly this other person asked for the same, uh, you know, accommodation every single time. And I had never heard about it, but when I asked for it, it was like the gossip. You're being difficult. Yeah. I was being difficult and, and um, just taking up everyone's time and wasting the paralegals time and resources. That's literally what they said. That's what he said to my manager. I'm really glad your manager backed you up there. He, well, my manager at that time was also a person of color. Oh, do you um, think so, that played into it then? But it was, it was what was right. It, it was what was right. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've had managers who are not people of color who, who <clears throat> definitely had my back in situations like this as well. So I would not say it's just in that instance, it happened to be that situation, you know, where that person was also a person of color. But yeah, you know, I, I've had great managers um, who are not people of color who will just back my play because they're like, this is how she wants it done. You need to accommodate her and get it done the way she wants. Because when someone questions it, they're not coming to look for you. They're looking for her. So get it done the way she wants it done. It was, you know, it, it, it's always a struggle, right? As a person of color to not buy into the stereotypes, but at the same time, I'm not going to let you walk over me <laughs> because you've been here longer because you're older than me, because you're taller than me. 
Definitely not. Rhea, I'm so glad you were able to share some of your experiences as a woman of color in the workplace now. It's so important for people to be aware of their biases and recognize that it does exist and hopefully take responsibility to correct it moving forward. To my listeners, join me next week for part two with Rhea Balram, where we dive into more experiences as her being a brown woman and a business owner. Make sure you show your support by subscribing to the podcast, leave a rating and a review. Let me know what you're thinking. You can also join my email list so you never miss an episode drop. Go to www.miraharden.com, hop onto my website, sign up, or follow me on Instagram or TikTok.